Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation. From KCRW and KCRW.com, I'm Michael Silverblatt, and this is Bookworm. Today, my guest is someone I've been yearning to meet for some time. His name is Tom Bissell. I first knew of him through David Foster Wallace. It was David who told me to read your work, and um, Tom Bissell is an amazing writer, among his many books, he's written nonfiction. One is a book about computer games called Extra Lives. The book we're going to be talking about is his second book of short stories, Creative Types and Other Stories. It's published by a Pantheon, and he has a previous book of short stories called God Lives in St. Petersburg, uh, many of the stories take place in so many places I've never been that I came to the conclusion that you've lived all over the world and have done many things, including writing the review that became the introduction to David Foster Wallace's reissue of Infinite Jest. And it began as a review, if I'm not mistaken, that appeared on the front page of the New York Times book review. They accepted it. Little Brown commissioned me to write it, and then we, we published it there before the book came out. David, as you may know, was also a friend of mine. When my father died, the first person I wanted to talk to when I got back to Los Angeles was David. I left him a message about what had happened. When he didn't call me back, I knew that either he was out of town or he'd killed himself. It was unfortunately the latter, and it was one of the most terrible deaths that I've had to live through. He was such a profound and sensitive guy. And so when he recommended that I start to read Tom Bissell, I did. Tom also has a book about his father. He has a book in which he travels and visits the spots around the world where the apostles lived. How did you become the person who wrote all these books? How did I become a publicist nightmare, you mean? Uh, the problem with my books, I think, is that there's no one place in a bookshop where you can just go and say, oh, here they all are. You know, they're spread out throughout the bookstore. Some are in travel, some are in uh, memoir, some are in criticism. Now with my second book of stories, there's a couple in fiction. But I've always had a wide range of things that I get interested in. And I'm getting to the point where I think I'm exhausting all of my own uh, interests because my big interests when I was starting out as a writer were my father's experience in Vietnam, war, what war does to a person. Uh, I exhausted that. My uh, travel experience as a Peace Corps volunteer, I exhausted that in my first book, Chasing the Sea. My lifelong obsession with Christianity, 
I exhausted that with my book Apostle, my mm-hmm. lifelong love of video games. I exhausted that extra life. So I'm uh, sitting before you right now, Michael, is a is an empty husk of a man desperately searching for the next obsession he's going to to stumble upon and write about. I think of creative types as a book of stories that have, in many cases, to do what with what happens when a person moves to Los Angeles and meets, in fact what are called creative types. I've known many wonderful writers who live in L.A. or have come to L.A. in order to be screenwriters, among them the great Rudolf Wurlitzer, and one of my closest friends was Carol Eastman, the woman who wrote five VC pieces. pieces, She was a hermit. And so she'd often cancel appointments, and she'd be very apologetic. And I'd say, Carol, I'd rather not do something with you than do something with anyone else. (laughs) And these are the creative types I came to know in Los Angeles. Some of them were geniuses. Some of them, many of them, were people who discovered that they were not novelists and came here to live because they wanted a creative life, but they also wanted to be able to support themselves. And they earned a great deal of money and even were able to buy houses here. Who are your creative types? Uh, My partner is a, a stage actor. She specializes in classical theater. She's a company member at A Noise Within in Pasadena. So I know a lot of actors, uh, uh, stage actors. Uh, I know a few film directors, some TV directors. Uh, I know fair, just about all the writers you, you, that you know. Probably we have a lot of people in common. Uh, Antoine Wilson, who was on the show recently, Matthew Spector. Those are two writers here in L.A. that I'm, that I'm pretty uh, tight with. So the thing I like about L.A. is that you do meet a lot of like genuinely interesting creative people who have don't do at all what you do and they're fun to talk to and and it gives you um a lot to chew on and some of which I wound up chewing on in the collection we're talking about today. <laughs> well, in this book I met many people who scared me. <laughs> I think it's really a terrific book. It's a wonderful book of short stories and I recommend it highly. It's Creative Types by my guest, Tom Bissell. It's a book of seven short stories. They're around 30 pages apiece, so just around a little more than 200 pages of short story writing. But one of the stories is about someone who grew up when he was in Catholic school beating up weakling children with his best friend, They were punishers. And now, years later, they're seeing each other. The one who is no longer a punisher works for something like the New York Review of Books. He's become obliged to know something of everything. The punisher who comes back to visit is... Very disdainful. You mean you went to and graduated from Yale to earn less than $20,000 a year? Who are you? Um, Because he has no time for anything except for extravagant disdain. 
He's still a Punisher. Now, do you know bullies like this? Oh, yes. Uh, I grew up in rural Michigan, and some of the most vivid people from my childhood grew into, like, very successful middle American icons of business or, or success. And the story, I wanted to reckon with stuff you do as a kid and wind up feeling haunted about years later and how someone from your past can churn up all of that awful trauma that you had as a kid. And that story was a saying it's autobiographical would be a, a stretch, but it does try to reckon with a sociopathy that I think is particular to white men, this kind of master of the universe sense of themselves and the freedom with which they can dispense disdain without anyone standing up to them. That's that, that to me is uh, one of the American sicknesses. And uh, that's what the story is, is about. Well, as I read, I grew more and more frightened because one of the things that is true about life in Los Angeles, there emerge people who have become famous for being bullies, being cruel to their employees. I'm sure we can easily think of the names of some of them because some of them have been in the news um, for their abusiveness or their mistreatment of women. I didn't meet people like this before I came here. Um, they enjoyed their power. And the power is, to my mind, very frightening. These relationships I found in creative types by my wonderful guest, the writer Tom Bissell, it's a book of short stories. These relationships astonished me by the accuracy with which you captured them. And I myself, as I read, felt the victim, felt myself to be the victim of this bullying. And I had to ask you in our first conversation, are you the bully or the bullied? And I was relieved by your answer. Please tell well, I I had a pretty successful career as a middle-tier bully uh, as a kid. Uh, I was sort of the middle management of bullies. I got bullied, and then, of course, I turned around and bullied kids that were weaker to me. And this is some of the stuff I was talking about that that story became an exorcism of. Is I'm like cruelty of any kind appalls me, and just watching kids play on the playground now that I when I'm when I'm hanging out at the park back before society ended, uh, watching my daughter play. And you could just see how casually cruel children can be to each other. And that puts you in a certain mindset that reminds you not to judge your young self too harder. Because you don't, your moral self is so squishy. You know, you don't really know the consequences of what you're doing. But I do remember just being mean for no reason to people, because I think people do that to discover their power, right? And, and until you develop a moral conscience, you will push things as far as you can just to see what happens. And then once you develop a sense that, oh, that hurts that person, and that person's hurt is in turn going to haunt and bother me because now I have a sense of how pain reverberates, and I don't want to be a person who causes that. It takes a long time to develop that sense. Some people never do. 
And people who never develop that sense, I confess to being artistically very interested in because I don't think you can have things like global conflict without people losing their capacity to imagine the suffering of others. I don't think you can become a Marine like my father did, thinking that they're going to go fight the good fight and defend the people of South Vietnam, but, you know, wind up getting involved in this boondoggle that millions of people unnecessarily died in. And so these kinds of misunderstandings and and, um, collisions are like one of the animating things that I find myself writing about over and over again. So if there's violence in the stories, uh, I think that's just reflective of, of my own determination to just get to the bottom of why people hurt each other in the first place. Well, as I was reading, you see, I became aware that although I might have certain bullyish aspects, I was one of the bullied. I was one of the bullied for sure and certain. I must have had a funny way of walking. Maybe my bottom swung funny. (laughs) But people who I didn't even know would yell from across the street from the high school. I was not yet in high school, but it was down the block. Would yell out, fairy. And instead of getting angry, and I had no sexual experience at that point and didn't identify with anything... But all my mind knew how to do was to think, how did you know? And that's what's so frightening about bullies. They tell us how to think about ourselves. They define how we think about ourselves, and that is their most poisonous bequest, I think. This book has, consequently, a marvelous epigraph from St. Augustine's Confessions, which is, I had become to myself a vast problem. And the people in this book, one and all, are trying to solve the problem of themselves. I've jumped to the conclusion, if you'll pardon me, Mm -hmm. that being a father has altered your life considerably. Yes? It's made me care a lot less about my career, capital C. I obsessed a lot about when this book comes out, how it's going to get reviewed, how many copies it's going to sell. I mean, as you get older, that stuff gets less and less important anyway. But but I've stopped viewing my work as something that is going to earn me plaudits from people I don't know, or reviewers I respect, say. And I'm just kind of, I look at my work more and more as she gets older and older and gets to the age where she might read it one day. I'm just looking at more as almost like a private bequest I'm leaving to the people who come after me. I just lost my own father recently. And it's been, it's been a journey, but I now look at this book that you've got sitting right here, The Father of All Things, about my father's experience in Vietnam. And I think that's my best book. I don't think I'll write a better book than that. It's also my probably most poorly selling book. And that used to really bother me. And now I couldn't care less because I view that as a gift to my daughter and her children more than anything. And so it's given me just a much higher, more relaxed view 
of what my own work is for and why I'm even doing it. I'm Michael Silverblatt, and you're listening to KCRW's Bookworm. I'm talking with Tom Bissell about his new book, Creative Types and Other Stories. We'll continue after this short break. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen. I'm Michael Silverblatt. This is Bookworm, and I'm talking with Tom Bissell about his new book, Creative Types and Other Stories. It's a collection of seven stories about people who would like to be cultured people, but life hasn't dealt them that deck of cards. And so they're doing their best. They find themselves, instead of being novelists, they find themselves writing for TV or working as an assistant to an actor, the many, many jobs that, if you live in L.A., are available to creative types. I spent years reading for different production companies, being a reader. Um, I felt very privileged because of my friendship with Carol Eastman, who wrote Five Easy Pieces, to become an associate producer on a movie that she produced with Bruce Gilbert, who had been my employer and a former partner of Jane Fonda's. Carol Eastman was attempting to help me get a job. Someone needed a chairman of production, who was himself and still is an infamous bully, who was famously very nice to the creative types. But in the course of sitting and talking to him, he walked out into the hallway where his secretary was. He picked up a pen and pencil from the desk, dropped it and said to the poor young man, pick it up. The movie business with its infamous casting couch and other kinds of inappropriate procedures is a famous business for the misbehavior of its senior parties. I've started to read you. You're a very special writer. You do what you do with great thoroughness, audacity, complexity. It's, to my experience so far, you're great. What happens that prevents you from being the well-known writer that I think you want to be? Ah, oh, the luck of the draw, the bounce of the ball. I try not to dwell on that. Certainly, I wish I had more readers. I've had a couple books that have done fairly well. You know, when you're watching a movie and uh, an actor that you, that's not like a famous actor, but who's a very reliable, very likable, very watchable sort of character actor comes on screen and you see that man or woman's face and you think, oh, I love, I love him. I love her. Or there's a band that you have a really intense relationship with 
that uh, their music, they have a new album out and you hadn't even heard that it came out. You don't get mad at their publicist for not broadcasting it. You don't get mad at the actor's representatives for not getting them bigger roles. You just think, oh, I like their work. I'm glad they have a place in this world and I'm glad I get to experience that with them. I would love it if I were the equivalent of that very readily recognizable character actor or that kind of slightly obscure rock band that comes on the radio that you perk up when you hear. If I could be the literary equivalent of that, I, that would be great. And, and that prevents me from obsessing about why I'm not as famous as some of my friends. Well, I'll tell you, for me, Creative Types and Other Stories by my guest Tom Bissell was the best book I've read about life in Los Angeles and, by extension, married life, attempts to live lives that you weren't born to live. I think it's a fabulous book of stories. And when I say it scared me, I want to say that it got to me. I'm afraid about you going into Television? Television, because I'm sure you'll do such a good job that you'll never come back. <laughs> well, I've been writing television for the last few years. Uh, I adapt, I, I co-wrote the pilot episode of The Mosquito Coast, the, uh, the TV show based on Paul Theroux's novel. I've done a lot of adaptation, which kind of gives me the sense that I still have a foot in the literary realm of things. I'm never going to stop writing books, but... Uh, you know, TV is a door that's open and I've walked into it. And so far it's been pretty good. And I've got to say, I've been really disappointed at how <laughs> um, unmonstrous most of the people that I've worked with <laughs> have been. Very few temper tantrums, very few lunatics. Everyone's always very reasonable. Everyone treats each other well. I think, you know, if you're entering the world of the entertainment world right now, you know, more than ever, there are there are there are more women in leadership positions, which I think helps the tone of how things a lot. Not to say that there aren't monstrous uh, women in this business; I'm sure there are and have been. But I think, just generally speaking, the people that I've met in creative leadership positions have been really lovely, smart, sensitive people. So perhaps we're at the beginning of a great sea change. Uh, I doubt that human nature being what it is. I went to a party here for one of my guests, a chi writer from China named Yun Li. Mm -hmm. She had gone to Iowa, where the great writing program still is, or certainly one of the very best, one with the biggest reputation. She had gone to go to medical school. Her intention was to be an epidemiologist, but she had never written in Chinese. She found herself reading short stories, particularly in The New Yorker. She found herself to be particularly a fan of the writer William Trevor. And before long, she was showing her stories to Marilyn Robinson. They were being submitted to The New Yorker and accepted regularly. So this party was thrown for her at a new fancy restaurant, and a lot of the people that Eon had been in school with were there. But as I spoke to them, what they said, and this was not one, but again and again, they said that what they learned in Iowa 
was that while Yun Lee might be a writer, they learned in Iowa that they were not writers, that they were not novelists, and they'd come here to work in television, and that they weren't going to spend the rest of their lives earning $20,000 a year. And I saw that it was a world, but not one I fit into. I'm going to be reading novels for the rest of my life. Now, are you afraid of losing your literary career in the process of earning a better living? No. Uh, I wrote blockbuster video games for 10 years. Uh, I wrote Gears of War, Uncharted. You know, like, I wrote all these like big explosion-filled video games. And if that didn't cut the, the string of my literary connection, you know, nothing will. Like, I know tons of TV writers, and all of them confess to me that in their darkest moments, they think I should be writing serious fiction. I know a bunch of serious fiction writers, and all of them ask me, how the heck do you get into writing television? What this tells me <laughs> is oh. that literally nobody is happy, and to find what happiness you can, when you can, the minute I'm ever in a situation where I feel like I'm wasting my life or my time, I'm going to eject. I'm just trying to follow my own bliss while keeping a roof over me and, me and my family's collective heads. And um, I cherish the fact that, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to write some pretty dense books about abstruse things like The Apostles, write a video game like Gears of War 5, write the introduction to Infinite Jest for its 20th anniversary thing, and then write stories that appear in like small circulation literary magazines. I'd rather feel happy in my head than in my wallet. Well, let me close by saying to my listeners, um, Tom Bissell was one of my recent joys of discovery. I am um, crazy about this book, Creative Types, and I recommend it. Most of my contact with Tom Bissell has not been through a publicist. We've been talking to each other directly. So I get the feeling that it isn't automatically the case that there are people who know how to work on your behalf. And I'm thrilled to be able to introduce to my listeners a writer like Tom Bissell and his new book, Creative Types, a book of short stories. Thank you, Tom Bissell, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been listening to this show for years, and what you do is amazing. Just the fact that you're even talking is kind of melting my brain a little bit, so thank you, Michael. That's very generous and kind of you. I want to tell my listeners that due to the pandemic, we're taping in my home, both vaccinated and boosted, and we're um, consequently the victims of all kinds of street noises that you might hear in the background. You can visit kcrw.com slash bookworm for a podcast of today's show. Also available at all podcast services and on demand with KCRW smartphone apps. Listen, if you haven't already and you like this kind of programming, become a KCRW member. We specialize in this. We have committed ourselves to getting the best people in all of our news and music and culture shows. It's our 
privilege to be presenting so many different kinds of broadcasts to you all on the same station. So join KCRW, won't you? Well, thanks. And special thanks to Bookworm Show collaborators Alan Howard and Sean Sullivan, engineer PJ Shahamet. I'm Michael Silverblatt. Join me again next time on Bookworm. I am a bookworm, he is a bookworm, she is a bookworm, we are all bookworms. Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation. This program is produced in the studios of KCRW Santa Monica. You can access archives of all Bookworm programs and podcasts, the most recent ones, at kcrw.com bookworm. The Bookworm themes were composed and performed by Ron and Russell Mayle of Sparks. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen.